0: Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst, reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time.
1: Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today our guest has, I forgot to ask, how many years of law enforcement analysis experience do you have?
0: Oh, <laughs> around 18 years.
1: Okay. And today, our guest has over 18 years of law enforcement analysis experience, all with the Austria Federal Police Department. He was instrumental in the creation of the Styria Crime Analysis Unit in 2005. He is currently the head of crime analysis. If you've gone to an IACA conference over the last decade, you are very familiar with him as he's presented on many occasions. He is. He is currently building the European Crime Analysis Association. Please welcome Sam Steiner. Sam, how are we doing? Good, good, Jason. How are you? Oh, fantastic. It is wonderful to hear your voice. I think you are now the guest that's the farthest away from me at the moment that I've ever had on the podcast.
0: Yeah, not so bad, but only, let's say, Ten hours away if I take the next flight.
1: Yeah, man.
0: We got a lot to go over. Certainly want to
1: hear about the European Crime Analysis Association. But also I want to get your contributions to the profession. So... Let's start there. How did you discover the law enforcement analysis profession?
0: It was a not a really a big story behind that. It, it was in 2005 after working for about 22 years against drug crime. It was the situation in Austria that the two different police forces we had at this time, they were merged and they tried to build a, a completely new modern policing system and one of the of the things they wanted to set up was a crime analysis unit and no one knows exactly about that what what to do what what should be the task for these units but the only thing they know that 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 you have to be an it guy let's say or at least you know how to deal with computer a little bit deeper than the than the average user so yeah they asked me hey sam you wanna create a crime analysis unit and 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 become the head of that. And I said, what do I have to do? So the answer was, we don't know it at the moment. And yeah, I said, do I do I earn more money if I if I <laughs> take this position? They said yes. So and this was the the whole story behind. And at the I think it was the first of July in two thousand five. I was the head of a crime analysis unit without any other member except me.
1: Yeah, one man show.
0: Yeah, and uh, I was allowed to find me some people who are willing to help me. And yeah, that was the starting point. And in the next couple of weeks, I tried to get in as, as good as possible information what to do. Because in Vienna, at the criminal headquarter, they had a crime analysis unit running there for a, a little bit less than two years at this time. So with a little experience, I asked them to help me out which was not really successful so i tried to to find myself information about what to do in other countries i was well connected at this time to different countries because you know i love to talk to other people i love to network Um, so my first try was to talk to the one of the guys from san francisco police department who, are, who were working on crime analysis. And so it started, I was allowed to go to different trainings all over the world. And it ended then the last years, it more and more, I become one of the guys who is responsible for trainings and not only for working as a crime analyst. But that's the whole story. Yeah. So who did you work with in San Francisco? It was a nice lady called Jean Grissom. I think she's still on the job. She has to be my age or something like that. And as I remember, she's also an ICA member. Sure. So, and right. she, she also said, said to me, if you want to learn more and more and more, the only way to do this is joining ICA. So in 2011, as, as I remember, I joined ICA and from that day on, everything was running in, in a really, really good way because my. Personal network in the field of crime analysis was exploding after the first ICA conference, and it's it's still getting bigger and bigger every day.
1: Yeah. So you developed this in Styria, which is the equivalent of a state yeah. inside Austria there. And, and you mentioned that they had a crime analysis unit at the capital, but yeah. other... Uh, If I'm reading you correctly, other states within Austria had not developed Crime Analysis Unit at this time.
0: Yes, it it was just an experiment started in 2003, the capital in Vienna. Mm -hmm. But their responsibility was all over Austria. So not for one of the states, it was all over Austria. And after the police forces were merged, they decided that Every single state in Austria has to have also a crime analysis unit for local stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. In the beginning, what were the goals? You're given this opportunity. The folks that you're reporting to don't know exactly what it is or exactly what they want. They just want you to go do. And so as you're learning and networking and getting all the pieces, what the goals in the beginning? What did you discover? You know what? I need to do X, Y, and Z first.
0: They. It started with crime statistics at the beginning. For me, it was one of the most boring parts in my job at the beginning, to be honest. But I would say less than one year later, I found out that it's more than worth to work on, on crime statistics because it was the first really good database we had in Austria. Where you could use this data not only for seeing what was happened in the past, it was also very helpful to calculate what's going on in the future. So yeah, now I'm the biggest fan of crime statistics. And when people ask me about that, they said, "Oh, isn't that boring?" And I said, mm-hmm. "No, it isn't, because if you if you work on that stuff in the right way, it's it's one of the greatest databases." Ever. The Austrian crime statistics, if you allow me to go a little bit more in details, is a database where the data is in a quality about 99%. So what this database, database includes is good and clear data worth to use it for working to find a better way for policing in the future. Okay.
1: Beyond the stats then, after you got those established or worked on, what was the next step?
0: So because the name of our unit was created like operational and strategic crime analysis and to work on with statistic data, it's only strategic and op- operational one, we use this name not in the same way like you guys in the US do that. It's we mean it's working on crime cases this is what we mean with operational so i said to my bosses we should have more focus also on cases where we can help investigators when they are handling a big amount of data where they don't have the overview about that and so more and more becomes important for our investigator and especially for those units who work on drugs or really serious crime to contact us for helping them with their cases so and we developed the systems where we could help them in a really good time in a good way so at the end our, our analytical products were more than helpful to bring all, all their suspects to court and get evidence so they were sent to prison. And now we have about 80% of our work in, in operational stuff and a little bit less, I would say, than 20% on strategic. And the 2 or 3% we are missing is the daily crazy paperwork, what we have to do.
1: <laughs> All right. So w- looking back, what are you most proud of that was established as you're creating this new crime analysis unit?
0: I I was proud finding uh, really modern ways to solve cases in a way we never uh, thought about that before. And if you allow me, I'll give you an example. I stole, for me at this time, a really modern and innovative way to, to work on crime. We had a big problem with house burglars in the outskirts of, of our main city here in the area where I have to work. And we didn't know why it always happened on a certain day of the week at during daytime. So I, w- I had uh, some lessons coming from Joel Kaplan from Rutgers University. So he taught me about risk terrain modeling. And I tried to use this for this special type of crime in these certain areas. And risk terrain modeling doesn't only uses historic data. It also uses information from different crime scenes and find out the, the, the risk factors in these areas. to. So at the end, we we found out that this is mostly a really nice neighborhood where where nothing happens normally, but except those burglars. And the reason, on a certain day and a certain time, most of the of the house burglars were happened, was that people put their trash bins out of the house in the early morning when they when they went to work, mm-hmm. and and the car who collects all this stuff from the those bins normally is is emptying these bins and the, also in the morning but then for the next eight nine hours the bin is in front of the house and it was like a flag for the for the suspects to break in because they they realized that no one is at home because no one brought the the trash bin back to the house mm-hmm. so we we tried to get in contact with the neighborhood we asked them to find people who are let's say retired Bringing back these these bins as soon as possible after it is empty, and we also had some special covered patrol cars there just to help out if something happens. And at the end, the crime went down more than twenty percent in the in, in those areas. And believe it or not, especially on these certain days, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So it was it was exactly the way how we tried to deal with that. On the other hand. It was very time consuming because, as you may imagine, you need to check out if you use risk terrain modeling very, very deep. What's the reason why people, not only burgers, it could also happen in other crime fields, all, all of the violent crime, for example. But you have to find out what's the reason why the perpetrator is there and wants to commit crime. And if, if you have the time to do it, then you will be successful because then it's a, a really easy way and who knows a little math can fix that stuff
1: yeah now did you have most of the data readily available or with the risk terrain model there was some layers that you had to go after
0: we did it in two different ways once we we went out to historic crime scenes to check it in person what might be the reason why it's like an invitation for the burglars to break their houses there. And the second thing was at this time, it already started with a Google Street View. So sometimes we could do it from the office. We could sign in to Google Street View and and we could check the area also online, which was mm. was an easier way. But the more successful you want to be, the more you have to go there in person. So it's always not helpful only using Google Street food. But anyway, it helps us a little bit to reduce time for finding out the risk factors. Gotcha.
1: Hmm. And this is not necessarily dealing with this particular case or situation, but overall, like how is the data at your department? You you talk to a lot of analysts and a lot of people will complain about the quality of the data that, that they're getting. So I was curious, Austria, compared to maybe some of the other folks that you've talked to over the years, how was your data?
0: At the beginning, as you may imagine, the quality wasn't really good. Also, also crime statistics, not because the, the data was stored in a database only when the police officer filled out a form about statistics. And you know what happened if these guys were more than busy with other stuff. They were not really happy about that, to fill out the forms. So we tried to automate it. Mm -hmm. uh, And I was one of the guys who was working on that. This can happen in Austria. And when it was automated, the only thing what we had to check is if the data is logical. So Mm -hmm. we find some ways also building up some algorithm for the database. So it's now self-checking, which Mm -hmm. is great. All I would say, ten cases a week, we have to double check and correct the data. Sure. So as I as I mentioned before, the quality of the statistic is ninety nine or more percent, and it's hundred percent after checking. This is what I, I I have to mention. And but we have a second database because as I as I said before, the statistics it's only good quality because they fill out the form after the end of the case. So when every everything is has been sent to the court. We have also from our police reporting management system uh, daily imported data. I would say, no, let me correct that. It's not only it's not daily, it's it's in real time now. So if someone saves a case in the police reporting systems in the same second, this data has been sent to a database. We call it security monitor. So. This data has a quality of more than 80% because sometimes these cases are not real. For an example, someone comes to the police station and says, My car is stolen, but he only forgot where he parked the car after he was drunk. <laughs> so, in, in for the next three hours or four or five, it's in the database, but later you cancel this case and it's kicked out. But this data is more than helpful for really, really short interventions. And we have those data available for all over austria so if something happens on the very west side and you are working on the east side you can see everything what's happened in whole austria it, it's for example it's helpful because we have a lot of traveling offenders coming from eastern european countries so they show up in the very east in the early morning are going to supermarkets steal stuff there breaking houses and you can f- if it, it's reported in, in a good time, you can follow their way, not only on the same day, but I would say for two or three days, you can follow the way how they are traveling through Austria and committing crime. So those both databases are really, really good. One with a close to 100% quality and the other one with 80% quality. Well, The last one is good for for short tasks and the statistics for long, for intermediate yeah and we are happy about this data quality because there are not so many countries in the world with the same quality as i know my experience is for example that massachusetts i was there at the state police to talk about their data quality they still have around 40 percent or less which is good for working but not as good as we have it in austria so
1: when you developed the form for the officers to fill out and to get that more automated is I assume, well, let me ask the question. So is that countrywide or is that just in Styria?
0: No, uh, because we work close together with the headquarter in, in Vienna. If we are developing something, we, we are testing it and when it's okay, it's for whole Austria. So for every police, Station who works on that stuff uses the same way to save data.
1: (laughs) So that's definitely some, some jealousy from the States because there's 17,000 police departments in the country. And so there's all different ways to do stuff. Records management systems, it's very convoluted. So the fact that you're dealing with one system there for the entire country is, is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. We are a really small country, but we're comparing it to other not not so big countries, we are on, in, a, in a really, let's say, in a good situation with dealing with data. On the other hand, you know it, the privacy policy is very strong in Europe. And every time when I'm talking about this in the States, when, I, when I'm teaching classes there, people are laughing about our privacy policy on the other uh, every time when they start laughing about that and i talked about my two databases and then they stop laughing then they are jealous about those databases
1: yeah. why are they laughing
0: because they say we don't have that same in in the states if we can collect data as much as we want without any restrictions or less restrictions there is no privacy policy if we if we want to get data we get we we, we can get it Mm-hmm. Which is mostly the truth, isn't it? Are you talking about over in the states
1: or other countries in Europe?
0: No, no, the United States, because the oh, Europeans. Now there's
1: there are several restrictions on data that you can collect over in the state here in the states, and it can vary from state to state. So there's mm-hmm. no nationwide model on on collection. And I say that out loud and I'm sure there are, I mean, there is some guidelines and, and restrictions, but then some states have more restrictive data laws and other ones have more open data laws. So the citizens can get certain data in one state a lot easier than they can get in another state.
0: And, and, but it's nowhere in the States as this is my experience is it in a in the same way so strong like we have it so it's very very difficult and if you want to set up databases you have to ask many many people who are controlling if you do it in the right way otherwise you are not allowed running these databases
1: mm-hmm. to link all the data together even in one state would be quite a challenge
0: yeah so we are also not allowed to to, to link databases it's, it's it's completely against our, our law but we are very innovative, as I would say. We always find a way to combine data in a legal way. This is one of the tasks a crime analyst has to do. Otherwise he wouldn't be successful in his daily work. Yeah.
1: All right. Well let's get to your analyst badge story. And for those that may be new to the show, the analyst badge story is their career defining case or project that an analyst works and for you we got two of them we're going to talk about and first one is a murder case and the other one deals with a gps in the car so let's go over the the murder case first it's 2021, what's going on with this murder case?
0: So it was starting with a crazy discussion between wife and husband. At the end, she, 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 her body was, was there dead in the apartment. And the guy who was the suspect, her husband was about, I would say 20 or 25 miles away from the crime scene and always talking about that. He is, ne- he was never there but at this time he knowed exactly that he didn't use his telephone and so no one could could find an information that him he, he made some calls there in in this area and there was no one else who could see him there at the crime scene but we 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 could feel that he was the guy who killed his own wife and we tried to find other ways to find evidence that the guy was there and was the murderer. So we, we got a approval from the court that we could dump his phone. And this guy was very, very good in working on Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff. And at this time, we were not really experienced with data coming from, from cell phone dumps. So we could learn from others, especially from people who are dealing with that for a longer time and at the end we found evidence in the phone without using call detail records that this guy was there on the crime scene exactly two or three minutes before the crime happened and he didn't know that we were able to do that so at the end it was only a little bit difficult to explain it to the court why this is evidence Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure how to describe it a little bit better because the, my English vocabulary runs out at this time. Okay. Uh, but uh, you know you you are always producing data mm-hmm. with your phone and and there is no need that you use it actively. Everyone knows that when you when you use the phone you have a, let's say a time stamp also with mm-hmm. your xy data uh, mm-hmm. but not using it and getting information is more difficult. I can bring it to the point. This guy was normally using Wi-Fi always when his phone was switched on, but at the, at this time he was close to a restaurant where he is normally eating, and it's and it's about hundred meters away from the crime scene. He didn't do anything in on the on his internet connection, but we could find out that he was locked into this Wi-Fi. Uh, so okay. So he could only be logged in into this Wi-Fi when he was there. And as lucky as we are, he signed his interview that he never put away his phone. So he was always what's the what's the name for that when he has always the phone with him. Uh, he said should,
1: he's he's in possession of his phone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's...
0: yeah. So he signed that, and yeah, that that was it at the end. So he. He was sent to jail for murdering his wife.
1: Interesting. So, hey, and I want to give, you said that your English runs out, but you described it exactly how I would describe it. So just just to let you know that, that this is coming through great. So no worries there.
0: Thank you. If, so. if I'm understandable, I'm happy. But, you know, <laughs> I, learned, I, I was just thinking about when I had my last English lesson. Oh. And it was in year 76, so oh. a long time ago.
1: Uh, yeah, that's Not to make you feel old, but that's <laughs> one year before I was born.
0: Yeah. But anyway, as long as I'm understandable, I'm happy with that. Yeah.
1: No, you're good. Hello, I'm Barry Fosberg, the Senior Analyst with Houston Police Department. I'm here to do a PSA for regional associations. If you're an IACA or familiar with IACA, get in, find out if you have a local association. And if for no other reason, your crooks don't know you have borders, your borders typically have other crime analysts, and this is a great way to know them by name. Hi, this is Matthew Smith, and I have a public service announcement. When you're walking in a building and somebody is coming behind you, please hold the door for them. Give them that common courtesy. And at the same time, if somebody is holding the door for you, just say thank you. It just drives me crazy when people don't say thanks. It's, it's one of my pet peeves. And I think if we all just got along and, and said please and thank you, we would get a lot further in this society. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to the other badge story. This deals with a car dealing with GPS coordinates inside the car.
0: You know, all these guys, especially I will talk about some someone who was working on drug trafficking. They are innovative. They think about what what to avoid that so so police cannot follow their traces. And we had one guy, we felt this one is the most important cannabis dealer in, in our city, but there was no evidence. He was using a big, big luxury car with a built-in GPS system. So so not using his mobile phone for that. I think at this time, Google map was also not so good, but he never used his phone when he was out, especially when he, we thought he, he was traveling to the Netherlands to buy the drugs and smuggle them to Austria. He never used his phone. He never put any address in his car, in his GPS unit, sorry. He was only using the GPS unit to find out where are all these speed what's the name for that? How do you guys call that in the States? This these little boxes who, who who are checking if you're too fast or not.
1: Oh, I see. I don't think we actually have devices, but the officers on the side of the highway, there's, there's ways the GPS will tell you that there's a speed trap ahead.
0: Okay. So we do have boxes on the streets in Europe. They fixed, uh, fixed built-in boxes. They, they are measuring your speed. Mm -hmm. And if you're too fast, they take a picture from the license plate and then you get fined, whatever. And he, he tried to avoid those. Speed tickets. So this was the reason why he was always switching on his GPS unit. So once we caught him with a big bunch of nubbies in, in his trunk and he said, oh, I don't know who puts the drugs in my car. This has been done by someone else. He, did, he didn't know that. And he, so we asked him, who, who else used your car? He said, no one, no one, no one ever. Have you been out with your car uh, out of Austria? And he said never i, I never was out of, of austria because he he knows he didn't use any address from anywhere else out of austria and he didn't put it in the gps device on the other hand if someone puts an address in the gps device there is no evidence that the car or the gps unit was already there but we thought we would find something at this time we had the information that those type of devices are recording every single point where where it was moved on the streets without telling the user that it is recording that Mm. and most of of the old gps devices did it in a way like that we don't know why but as soon as you switched it on it starts recording so we were more than hopeful that we can find something in the car but then it, the next problem was that there was no way to connect to this device to get the data extracted. So we, we found someone who is a specialist in building it out from the car and putting it on an electronical device so we could extract the stuff. And then on the first few, by using, it was geotime, which is where you can map all XY data, we, we could see that this guy was in the Netherlands with his car and he was traveling straight through Germany, straight to a city about 100 miles north from Amsterdam. He was staying there and two days later coming back by using a different road, a different way to come back over Belgium because he said, uh, uh, later we found that out, he said this is an easier way because there are not so many traffic controls, so they will not find that I have drugs. In my trunk and then we put this information because it looks like only one journey to netherlands it looks like it should be more behind so we we turned this information into the third dimension when you use geotime you can do it with one mouse click and you could see six or seven same travels to to the netherlands in the same way in the same time in the same speed and at the end the trial says okay this is evidence that he used the car for drug smuggling at least six to seven times and he was sent to jail for eight years but he he didn't expect that it was only the information from this little gps device and normally normally you wouldn't get it if you don't work on that stuff to get this information out it was the beginning of of always trying to get those informations out of the cars
1: yeah so, and that goes beyond cars too. Anything yep. that's smart these days is gonna have a computer in it and is going to be collecting data. Yes, yes. So your refrigerator at home, if you have a smart refrigerator, it is collecting data on you that and that data can be extracted and analyzed.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the same also with, with other stuff. You know, now in Europe, it's against the law if you don't have a built-in device in your car when you buy a new one for emergency systems. So when you have an accident, you push a button and and the car calls the police. Oh, okay. And if you are not able to push the button, the car calls itself after okay. after a couple of seconds. So and this is also data what what you can collect. Many many other databases. So we are at I would say at the moment now at the technical situation we have in the world everything is data. You just have to find it. Yeah.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, good deal. I, I do want to move on. We got a couple more topics to talk about. And so before we get into all the work you're doing for the new Crime Analysis Association, I do want to spend some time on what you brought to the table and what you got out of going to the iaca conferences or symposiums or training and so for for the listener they, they they may not know i mean he sam has come to many conferences and i've heard him speak and he's ran for president a couple of times and and uh, other board members and so has really become a staple at the IACA conference and has done a great job of just representing international analysts as a whole within the IACA. So when you think back you said you started what was it 2011 getting into the IACA so you've been a part of the association for 10 years I guess, what do you feel are some of your highlights, and then what do you feel that you got out of the IACA?
0: For for me, the, the first highlight was when I joined them for the very first time in 2011 <clears throat> in Vancouver at the International Symposium, that I was welcomed there with open arms. No one knows me at this time. But they only know that I'm working on crime analysis in Europe, but they welcomed me like an old friend. And what? Well, Everyone was helpful because I mentioned at that time that I'm lacking in in training, I'm lacking in in tools, in whatever, and everyone was more than helpful to help me developing myself and getting better. And I was especially one guy I have to mention, it's the president at that at that time, and he is still an ICA member as I know, and he's working also on in different functions for ICA. It was Christopher Bruce. So Christopher Bruce, it was my my hero at this time because he is really confident and there is no question you you can ask him where he don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. So I still love to meet him anywhere in the world. I mean luck sometimes I can make it, sometimes not, and he, for me he's still the guy who who really helped me out that I could develop myself in a way where I am now. Hmm. All
1: right. And then I guess any anything else beyond that?
0: Yeah. And the opportunities, all these conferences, symposiums for extending my network. Unbelievable. You make always new friends. You are always getting more and more deeper into this network of crime analysis all over the world. And what I really love about that is that I'm connected, I think, to at least 90% of the countries in the world, in the Western world, to be honest, where I know someone personally. And this could only happen because I, I am an ICA member and I'm on all of these conferences and symposiums. And if not, I wouldn't know so many people in person. And I, will I, add,
1: I will add that it's your personality as well. You, Might you, be. You're the you're the type of person that can be at a party and within an hour, everybody in the room knows you. Type thing. Uh, you have a way with people. You have a way of working with the room, and you do a great job of mingling. And uh, I I think yeah. that has certainly played a part in you taking advantage of the situation and building relationships with everybody that you've come in contact with.
0: Yeah, it, it sometimes it's, yeah, it's my personality. You're right. But it could also sometimes going in the wrong direction <laughs> because as you may imagine, try to be always in the middle of, of the room. It's not always helpful, but that's my personality and I there's no bad thinking behind that i just love those situation making new contacts making new friends helping each other Uh, i'm uh, thank god i'm now in a a position and also my knowledge is hopefully good enough that i'm also able to help others and i try to do it so i'm sometimes i'm not waiting that someone asks me i could see in their faces that they need help and i ask them do you need my help and this is what i what i learned in the last now what do we have now? I have more than 12 years. That's really important. Helping others brings back the the help you need. So this is my experience, and I I love that. And I'm really afraid about the day when when I I will retire. But anyway, I prepared myself. I will talk about that if you want. <laughs> so when so when they kick my ass out of the of the police because I'm too old, I I'm prepared to do to work on crime analysis also when I'm retired. Yeah.
1: So you can go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So you ran for president twice for the IACA. Yes. And did you run, I can't remember, did you run for another board position, an election, um, or is it just twice for president?
0: Twice for president, I think two or three times for one of the vice presidents. And so it was one of those
1: things where, you know, election cycle would come up and, unfortunately you fell short but it was one of those things like oh is Sam running this year like you you just anticipated that Sam was running and of course no one likes to lose and no one wants to lose but there is a certain level of tenacity there that you showed there by continuing to run for these positions and and challenging the incumbent i mean we just had an IACA conference this past fall no one ran against the incumbents both of them got got reelected yeah. with no challenger and to me i don't know if that's necessarily healthy for an association but from your point of view having somebody that ran four or five times what did you take away from it or what would your advice be for someone that's thinking about running
0: i took away that if you're not running you 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 are the loser if you run and you lose because someone else got more voices, more votes Sorry, about, then you're not a loser. It's just someone more important for the people who are voting. But not running is losing. And because it's an international association, I always thought someone from out of the States has to be a board member. And this was the main thing which forces me to run for an office. And I'm pretty sure if I would win an office, yeah. I would do my best to work on the goals for ICA, but I also know that if I'm not winning, the world will not break down. So this this is also why I, when there is an opportunity, I'm running. But the last time I wasn't able to run, I was working on my new association and I thought I have to spend more time to do it in a good way than running for an office for ICA. But let's see what comes up in the future. Maybe I'm running again. Yeah.
1: So just so there's no lost in translation there. So there's a saying in the states that we have that you fail on every shot that you don't take. Yeah. And I think that was your message there. And so and I've said several times on this show how I feel about the international aspect of the IACA. I, I do feel that there should be a permanent position on the executive board that is dedicated to non-US person. Like I felt that the the IOC, what's the IOC? International outreach committee. Yeah. That person, the person that's in charge of that should be an executive board position. Yeah, I, I totally I, agree. I, yeah. I I feel that to ensure the international aspect of the association. Um let's just get into you developing the European Crime Analysis Association says, so, you know, I do want to make the joke that I mentioned that you ran four or five times. So now you said the hell with it. I'm just going to create my own association. So- right. You are, uh, you're <laughs> absolutely right.
0: <laughs> no, it's no, also. Awesome. I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah. So So as you're developing this association for all of Europe, which is quite an endeavor, just go through some of the trials and tribulations that you've gone through just to get to this point, And then I will follow up with your goals and what to expect in the future.
0: Yeah, you, you know that I was also responsible for ISEA in developing European membership. I'm not really successful, but it wasn't my fault alone. It was also because when I asked people joining the ICA and they checked out the offers, what ICA has to offer for Europe, they always talked to me and said they are more focused on, on US than on, on every other part of the world, especially not on the completely different law system in Europe. Why don't we have a, a European association? And th- that was always in, in my mind in, the, in in the back. And then I thought now I, I think it's time to set up a European association because so many people asked me about that, but no one makes those the, the start. So it was it was up to me to, to to start with that. And yeah, now the association is established and waiting for the first executive board, which has to be set up in the next couple of weeks and as you mentioned that before i have to say now there is one position for someone from out of europe which sounds crazy when in the first moment but it has to be one guy from out because we need the connection to the other po- rest of the world and this connection has to be a life connection so it has to play a, a really important role in the association to be connected to other to other associations to other parts of the world, and this has to be a task where someone special who is appointed to do that has to do the job in the name of the executive board
1: for the IACA. No, or for for
0: no, 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 for the European association, we have maybe I. I didn't explain it as good as I wanted to explain the European association. As I mentioned, it was, was built to, to cover the needs of the European crime analysts, Mm -hmm. but not forgetting about that. There are analysts working in the same field all over the world. Mm -hmm. So someone's duty has to be this playing a major role in connecting to other parts of the world for the European association. And this has to be a position on the executive board, not only a, let's say a committee or something. So in the in the future, executive board of the European Association is someone responsible for connecting to other crime analysis, analysis organizations or single crime analysts all over the world.
1: Okay. All right. I see that, that I understand now. And will the home base be there in Austria
0: at the moment? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because as I set it up, I had to report it to the Austrian government that I'm setting up a non-profit association. Mm -hmm. So it's built up under Austrian law. Mm -hmm. But in this paper, what you have to use as as the first report to set up an association, there is also a a part what describes the European way this organization will work in the future. And because the European law is simply the same all over the European member countries, we are able to move the base into every other member country from the European Union in, in seconds, if if mm-hmm. we want. We just have to report it to the Austrian government that we want to move it, for example, to Belgium. And then the colleague who will take it over from Belgium has to report it to his government, and that's it.
1: Okay. So I guess in the in the beginning here, as you're getting this all established, what has been the response? to all of Europe is all the different countries involved.
0: Yes. At first I had to think about how can I promote it when I, when I set up an association and I also set up, let's say a, a simple website, what do I have to do to send it out to the crime analysis world in in, in Europe? So I used all my, my contacts in Europe, asking them becoming a member asking them helping me promoting it to their network and believe it or not as i as i was was in the situation to publish the website 5 days later i had 460 members so which which, which was really a great outcome and 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 now yeah we have to work to keep it alive in terms
1: of europe specifically What are some challenges or what are some goals that you have that are just specific to Europe? Maybe the way that crime analysis, the needs just in Europe or the way folks treat associations or what are challenges that you have there in Europe that you might not have here in the United States?
0: Yeah, I think the most important one is that crime analysis is only around 20 years old in in europe and Mm. depending on different european countries it's still a baby there Mm. and as always if you if you set up something new in old systems and yeah especially the way of policing is mostly old you if you if you don't work on on promoting the way to make modern policy policing you will not be successful and and where you guys are now we 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 still need at least i would say 10 more years to be yeah to be used as as a tool for policing in the same way like in most of the parts in the united states not not always i know also that crime analysts in some certain agencies in the states they yeah they are sitting in the last office in, in, anywhere in the, on the lowest floor or, or on the roof. And, and, and mo- on some investigators say we didn't you need an um, analyst the last 30 years, so we don't need them now. It's the same in Austria. It's the same in other countries. But as long as we are working to find our cheerleaders, and this was the way like I did it, and like many other units did it the same way in, in in europe we are now on a really good way to make us more valuable for the decision makers it's it's not really the same like in the states that you, the average investigator the average decision maker uses products from the crime analysis units but we are on a good way that we get more involved than we 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 were in the last 20 years and Especially the 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 way like like we act is completely changing in the in the in the last years. There's a massive rethinking around the job at the moment, away from the old image of the evaluator as a tool specialized and visualizer, and it turns more into a new image of the analyst as a problem problem solver, a thinker and a co- communicator focused on 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 really on two main areas it's the product creation and it's the product communication and this is where we are now and at the end there it should never happen that someone says i don't need an analyst
1: mm-hmm. hmm. all right so how many how many members do you have currently
0: around 500
1: well okay no that's a that's a good uh, size and- considering you just started and so and and i think as you mentioned in the in the prep call right now the membership fee is free as you're just getting this established, yeah. correct?
0: Yes, that's right. There are no costs, not really costs at the moment mm-hmm. because there is not a really big bunch of stuff I can offer other people at right now at the moment. Mm-hmm. but a- a- except a uh, regular webinars, meet the expert series where where experienced analysts from all over the world share their experience in presentations. but, because we have an education institute partnering with the european association it's its name the european forensic institute it's kind of a university based in in uh, the island of malta Mm -hmm. we are working on 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 stuff offering to not only to the members alone also to students from the european forensic institute hopefully they will also become members because then they get this training cheaper so we will offer paid trainings in the in the near future mm-hmm. but at least one or two times a month we will have people uh, train our members for free there mm-hmm. there will be a lot of stuff for free but we will also offer them some paid stuff mm-hmm. in collaboration with the European Forensic Institute and the good thing is that I am now also responsible in this forensic institute for setting up a master's course so I'm not I'm not academic, but they ask me helping them out and become the director of this master's course because of my experience and because of my huge network. So we will also offer through the association a way to get a master's degree in crime analysis. Nice. Nice. Now, what do you do
1: with the language barrier? Is is there a language that most folks are are speaking, or are you having many translators as you go through these different events?
0: No, I when I started, I I had to start in English, of course, because it's the most common language all over the world. But I promised my members that we will set up, especially on the website, but also on the content later, pages for at least two or three other languages. I'm thinking about German, of of course, unfortunately many, many of my German friends, they have their issues with, with English. I have a lot of people from Italy and I will set up with help of my Italian colleagues, also an Italian part in, in the association. And we, and maybe at the moment it doesn't look like that, but maybe we can also integrate Spanish. But that's the future music at the beginning. I, I, I'm glad that everything runs fine in English and mm-hmm. le, let's see how it works in the future. After, mm-hmm. after setting up all these functions, what we need to run that, let's see what happens.
1: Yeah. Now, in terms of your membership, what have they told you is the biggest need for training?
0: I talked to from, from the, from the. People, they are now members, at least 20 or 30%. I know them in person and I talk to them and they said, at first, I need a way to network with other colleagues in Europe. And second, I would love to have best practice staff, trainings doing by experts. So that's not the biggest goal, getting getting training. The, the bigger goal is that I can offer them a way to network. I gotcha so uh, every everyone when i talk to them and and those people mostly of them are experienced analysts they say they say i know how to work but if i'm running into issues i would love to have some, some people asking them how they deal with that stuff and for to do it in a way like that you need a network i got you all right good
1: deal well yeah so right now if somebody from the states or in the audience non european is is interested in joining, are, are they able to join?
0: Warmly welcome. I think I have about 20 members from the U.S. at the moment. All right, good
1: deal. You're eventually going to have, as these associations go, you start with training, you start with meetings, and then you eventually get to a conference. Is, is that in the near future? It's
0: not only that. It's also a fixed the date at the moment. It will be held from October 23rd to the 24th on the island of malta oh nice. yes and it's been co-hosted by the european forensic institute of course and also by the ministry of police in in from malta so they are assisting us and helping us out with their with their local yeah stuff like like organizing transport from airport and and whatever hmm. so the 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 malta police and the home ministry is is very happy about that and they promised us that they will us help they will help us in any way what we can do, so if there's anyone already working on his schedule for October, save the date because you guys have to put your your nice buddy in a plane and fly over mm-hmm. to the island of Malta, yeah.
1: Excellent. Very good. Well, I wish you the best of luck in this endeavor. I know I can only imagine what it would take to get this off the ground, but I am confident that you are the right person for the job. So we will include the link to the association and additional information for those listeners that are interested in in getting involved with your association.
0: Sounds great. Really appreciate that. Thank you,
1: Jason. So let's finish up with personal interests. And again, someone like you, it's fascinating what you get into on your free time. You are a fourth degree black belt in judo.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: So how did you get involved in that? Yeah.
0: When I started working as a detective, I had a boss who was running a judo club. So I started with judo as an adult. I was around 29 years old but then it it became an addiction.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah, I ended I ended up as a, a referee. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm
0: st- I, I'm still doing. That. Unfortunately, I had to stop doing the trainings for judo kids because of the pandemic. Mm. So so most of the judo clubs lost so many members so they had to close. Same was with my club. Mm-hmm. But I, I will start again with that stuff, hopefully when I'm ready, because I, I, I love to teach children. I still do the self-defense training also, but judo is, is is a part of my life and helping me to keep my body a little bit in shape. And it's also good for your brain, because thinking about judo and staying on the, on the mat, train with others, makes you free from thinking to other problems. So you are focused on that and you can People who don't do that may not believe, but. In, in having a, a a good judo training fight, you may you may relax more than sitting at home in, in on, on on your couch watching TV is not the same. Uh, judo yeah. helps you relaxing yourself and cleaning your your brain. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Yeah, so of course that's 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 the right word. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then. I guess from somebody that doesn't know judo how do you describe judo to a non-judo
0: person It's a way to find who who of us is better with the m- highest level of respect from each other mm-hmm. So le- this is what people learn from the very beginning respect your opponent but try to be better mm-hmm. and there's the, the absolutely red line is you never have to step over is that you want to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the highest target is win, but don't hurt someone. And if it happens, it, it happens. But it ha- you have to take care about your opponent. You are responsible. And that's a good thing. It's not the same like boxing.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, our last segment of the show is Words to the World. And this is where I give the guest the last word. Sam, you can promote any idea that you wish. What are your words to the world?
0: If I would talk to the whole world, there is only one sentence I would say, stop fighting and try to love each other. But I'm, I'm too poor for, for, and too small for doing that. So let me talk to the crime analysis world. Doing your continuous learning every day. Try driving change. Do sharing your knowledge and grow your international network
1: very good Well, I leave every guest with you've given me just enough to talk bad about you later but i do appreciate you being on the show sam thank you so much and you be safe
0: thank you so much jason for giving me the opportunity once again also thank you for your friendship because i know you now for for many years and hopefully we can meet up on one of the next conferences for making it to the end of another episode of analyst talk with jason elder you can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com if you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com till next time analysts keep talking